Hello and welcome to episode 71 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadow Cat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help service-based businesses to define and grow their brand and business. And today I am joined by Jude Walton, co-founder of Ready Steady Websites. Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Jude. That's okay. Thank you for having me. So listeners, today Jude and I are going to be diving into all things websites, specifically common mistakes that you can avoid. So we are going to make sure that we can cover as much as possible, but I figure there's going to be quite a meaty episode. So kicking things off, Jude, for the listeners out there, why is it or why do they need a website as a small business? I think that a website is just so, so important for small businesses to kind of really have an online presence, have that online salesperson. It really ups their sort of level of professionalism if they are using a website rather than relying on social media for their online presence. And it's something that they are in control of, or at least should be in control of if they have created their website in the right way. Um, And so it can be a really fantastic business tool. And I really do think a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners don't make the most of their website and don't realize how valuable that it can actually be. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think what you said there about not putting all of your eggs in the social media basket effectively is a really important thing. I feel like there's getting there's a little bit more awareness coming through to that when it comes to marketing terms, but generally still I see quite a lot of comments out there as like, do I need a website? Is it something that I need to have? And I'd love to hear your insights into this. Do you feel that there's a certain amount of because people feel unsure on how to create a website themselves and when they're starting out like finances are tight we all understand that do you feel that that might be one of the key factors that people don't invest early it certainly is I think there's two sides to it. I think there's people feel that creating a website is going to be expensive and so they think well do you know what I am just going to make do with social media for the time being until I can do it um, and there is also that element of you know I don't know where to start I've got some people telling me that Wix is fine I've got some people telling me I really shouldn't use Wix I've got someone else telling me I need all of it and I should be using one of the big players or I've got someone else telling me oh you really shouldn't try doing it yourself you should always get a professional involved and so people just don't know where to start and I also think there's an element that people aren't really sure what to put on their website at the start maybe perhaps they don't have many client testimonials yet or perhaps they don't have a portfolio of work or you know that kind of thing and they're thinking well you know I'm not going to have much to show on a website so is there much point in me doing it perhaps I'll just wait a little bit but then it's a little bit chicken and egg if you're not getting yourself out there and showing yourself off and showing what you can provide to your ideal clients you're not going to be attracting those ideal clients so therefore how are you going to get that work to put on your website and so I really recommend that it is something that people should do they should reach out to the right people to seek clarification on how they should get started with it look at the options for doing it on a smaller budget but I would always say as well like don't go cheap cheap if you're going really cheap really quick really easy that's going to reflect on how you feel about your business I think Um, I think if you come to a website that looks like no time effort or money has been put into it people will think well you know that's not a great showcase for this business and perhaps I'll go and look at a few other websites and sort of suss them out as well and if those websites stand out then that's going to attract people you know that's where we're at at the moment we're not able to be getting out there and meeting people as much so creating a really solid online presence is really really key. Yeah absolutely I'd love to this might feed into what we're going to be talking about but I'm curious to know just off the bat of what you were saying there When it comes to using pre-designed templates, because a lot of the bigger players that you hear a lot about, like Squarespace or WordPress and Wix and all of the other ones that are out there offer these pre-designed templates. And I know that that's something that you and your company offer as well. When it comes to using templates, is that a good kind of mid-ground where you're investing maybe a lower amount, but it's easier for them to make it still look professional? Absolutely, because I think that, 
some people fall into this trap of thinking web design is easy and anyone can do it. And so they'll go on and they'll think, yeah, I'm going to create this myself or I'm going to use a template, but I'm going to move it all around because I want it to look fantastic and wonderful. Actually, if you're not a web designer, you're probably not going to make it look fantastic and wonderful. And what you're going to create is quite a horrendous visual experience for the people who come to your website. So using templates, especially ones that are, you know, not necessarily in, on the most popular platforms like the Squarespaces, where you're going to run the risk of creating a very samey looking website because lots of other people will have done it as well. But if you look for really lovely, beautiful templates that are perhaps a bit more niche, look for businesses that are creating templates that are specific to different business niches as well, so that it's going to, it's already been designed with your area of business in mind. So therefore, it's going to work for your business. Then that's fantastic because then it's much easier for you because all you've got to worry about is getting your content and your images and everything ready and right to drop into that template. It is designed professionally because it has been designed by a designer. So it is going to look good. And, you know, quite often as well, like once you've changed the colours, your logo, your fonts and everything to your branding, you like change that whole palette it's going to have a different feel anyway you're going to have your images in there so even if you're using a template there is going to be a unique feeling about it as long as you've got some really great brand photography done or product photography whatever your business is so using templates is a fantastic idea um and let, like if you certainly if you haven't got the budget to go bespoke and actually there's a lot of people who don't need to go bespoke, but do need something that looks good and works well. And so, yeah, well done templates are a really good option for that. Yeah, I love that. The other thing that I'd add to the templates as well is because something that I quickly realized when I started dabbling in the world of web design and coding and the rest of it is, it's not just how your website looks. So even if you feel that you're a competent, you know, visual person who can put something together that looks good, there's a, there is a science and a strategy behind how people navigate through websites and how they use them and the user experience. And if you're not familiar with that, or if you don't have the headspace to try and think about that as well, these templates are already set up to flow in a specific way that is going to be more beneficial as a customer experience, which is, of course, essential. You can have the prettiest website in the world, but if it's frustrating to use, then you're going to have, you're going to turn off your customers, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. The user journey through to make people kind of click on your goal of your website is really, really key to get right. And also page loading is really important as well. So if you've got a design background, but not on the web, and you're thinking, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have this image, and I'm going to have everything, and I'm going to have videos loading straight away. It's going to be so slow to load and you are going to put people off. It's going to affect your SEO if your page load speed's bad and everything. So, yeah, if you don't understand all of that, then sticking to a template is definitely a good idea so that you're not, like, yeah, causing yourself loads of issues after having put so much time into creating this website and then you've still got something that's not doing your business any good. That's pretty disheartening. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've covered a good round for the basis of kind of how to get started if you're sat at those early stages and especially listeners if you're in the stage where you're like I need I know I need a website but I don't know where to start I think having the option of templates but also the option of investing and kind of the pros and cons of both is is definitely something that we've covered there so what I'd love to launch into now is kind of the meaty bit of the episode which is around the common website mistakes that you frequently see Jude in your in your line of business I made a few notes that I sent over to you but you're kind of the expert in this area so if if you're happy to lead and pick one out and we can discuss that that would be wonderful so there are so many so I did I wrote a list after you sent me your kind of ideas and things you'd like to talk about I was like well yeah I know I'll make a list of some of mine that aren't on there as well so our two lists combined are so long because there are so many common mistakes that I find people making and I'm looking at my list now and thinking like what is that key one what is that one that I want to pull out and I got two but we'll go with the first one first. So 
the biggest mistake and this like is all encompassing so it covers loads of things is that people don't plan their website they think right okay I do need a website I've, I've decided that yes I do need a website for my business I want to have a really strong online presence they decide that perhaps the templates is the way that they want to go and then they just go and pick a template that looks nice and then just start filling it with stuff. There's no kind of thought process to actually write. What is the purpose of my website? What do I want people to achieve and do when they come onto my website? Who is my ideal client? Who am I aiming this at? What are they going to want to see when they come to the website? Then with those things in mind, thinking about, okay, so what copy do I need on each page? How How is the flow going to go? How many clicks are there going to be from one page to the next to get to that final outcome that I want them to take on the website? None of this is thought about. People just get this template and just sort of go, well, I'll just start typing them and they pour their content in and it's not considered. And they think, well, I don't know, there's a big space at the top where I'm supposed to put a photo. So they just sort of find a photo and chuck something in there. And when it's not considered and when that user journey is not thought about, when it's not thought about what you really want to get your website visitor to do on your website, when it's not thought about who you're trying to attract and help them want to find out more about you, then websites end up just being either a bit meh, the sort of you go on and there's this sort of nice little story about why someone started their business, but not really much else and not really much incentive to click through and find out more about what they do. Or there's just this real jumbled approach and it's all just very like, work with me, rah, 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 rah. And there's, again, no real kind of showing people what it is you can do for them and why it is you that they should choose to help them do that. So planning, like planning a website is key and people not planning it is one of the biggest, biggest mistakes and really common mistakes. Like I think most people get a template, chuck stuff in and go, that'll be all right. So yeah, plan it. <laughs> I love that. So when we're talking about the practical side, because I love having some practical advice on here. I feel like there are always going to be two kind of options. So when it comes to planning your site from a DIY perspective, what would you recommend being the way to do it? Because I know how I do it and I don't know if that's going to be the right way. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> okay. So I would always say start with your ideal client. Start with that person that you want to work with or those people that you want to work with and think about what is going to entice them to go further than your homepage on your website? So you need to be showing them on that homepage that you understand their problem or their need, like that reason that they've sought you out in the first place, that you have a solution for that and show them how that they will feel or be once they have worked with you through that solution or used your product that is that solution. So they sort of on that homepage straight away, they're like, this is awesome. They get me. They, I really like the idea of what they're going to could help me with. And yeah, I want to feel like that at the end. So you've got that on the homepage. Your homepage is not about you. It's all about your ideal client. Um, you then need to be considering the purpose of your website. So is the purpose to get them to buy? Is the purpose to get them to sign up for your service and pay for it? Or perhaps you like to qualify the leads first. So perhaps the main purpose of your website is to get them to book a call with you. But whatever that main purpose is, needs to be really, really nice and clear on your website as well. And everything needs to be leading to them doing that. So really thinking about that ideal client and that purpose of your website is where you need to start. Then all of your copy is going to be much, much more well considered. Like you're going to be writing for that ideal client. You're going to be writing to engage them in that purpose. And then naturally your website is going to come about much better. And then you need to be thinking about, okay, so with that purpose in mind, what pages am I going to be needing on the site? So you'll create a site map. We do it with post-it notes. We just like stick on a wall, like I want a home page. I want um, about page. I'm going to need an overarching services page. And then I'm going to need my three separate services pages from that, you know, mapping it all out on the wall in post-its. Then think about your copy and your images that you want on each of those pages that are really going to entice people in and then your call to action. So they are the buttons that you want people to click. So on your homepage, you need to be getting in there straight away and perhaps they're coming back to your website for a second or a third time. And when they come back, they're like, yeah, 
I definitely want to join that membership now. So you need to have that join now button on the homepage. You also need to have a secondary call to action. So uh, perhaps sign up for a freebie or, you know, sign up to my newsletter, keep up with my blog, sign up, you know, that kind of thing. So even if people aren't ready to jump in and book that call or sign up or buy, they can stay in touch. They can kind of keep an eye on what you're doing. You can nurture that relationship. So it's getting that ideal client, that website purpose focused in your mind first, thinking about the pages and how they're all going to link together with your sitemap and then getting that copy and that content right and getting beautiful images that's really going to draw people in and show off what you do the best it can. Yeah, I love that. I love that you use post-it notes. That's kind of similar. I tend to use I tend to use like a sheet of paper and just draw squares on it for each page. And like you were saying, I mean, listeners, I know it sounds like it's a huge amount to do, but when you actually boil it down, if you have one post-it note saying homepage at the top and then write on there what the purpose of that page is, and like Jude was saying, the two call to action. So what do you ideally want them to do? What do you want them to do if they don't do that? It will start to help you see how the site will be navigated by your audience and by your clients. And always approach it as someone who has never seen your own website before and just sit there and go, how easy is it for someone to buy from me? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. Like our websites are there because we want to have clients. Uh, and that's kind of what we want to do so how easy are you making it for them to become a client with you and yeah I think all of the detail that you've got there is absolutely brilliant and I think the other option that I wanted to talk about was if you're not going to be DIYing and you're like you know what that sounds like too much for me I can't be asked (laughs) I would say and let me know if you agree with this I would say even if you're using a template investing in the in a copywriter to help you with your website And I would always recommend specifically a website specialist copywriter rather than a VA who can do copywriting or a blog writer who can do copywriting because, again, it's understanding the medium that you're using. Would you agree with that, Jude? What we always suggest people do is they give their copy a go first because then it will be in their tone of voice. Because if people have perhaps already seen you, um, like on something like this, if someone's heard you on a podcast interview, if someone has seen you doing Facebook Lives, you know, we're all out there in different ways these days. Or even they've bumped into you at networking or been on an online networking call with you. That's quite often how people are going to find out about you first then they're going to visit your website. So your website needs to have the same tone of voice as you have. Um, Whether you're a personal brand or even if you are sort of operating as an agency or you're just, you know, you've got your products and you're there as a shop, having having had that personal connection or creating a bit of a personal connection with people is really key these days. People like that personal touch. We're even seeing bigger businesses these days saying, well, you're now all going to have your individual account manager, so you're always going to talk to the same person. Personal touch is so key in business. So when you're writing a copy, we always recommend you give it a go first so that your tone of voice is in there. But then if you know writing isn't your strong point, um, we then do recommend that then you can hand that over to a copywriter and they can really get a feel of what you're saying. They will have had a conversation with you as well. So they will be hearing how you speak and getting a feel for your tone of voice. And then they can work with what you started with. Um, so that's the way that we recommend people do it. Um, um, but again, we know that like budgets are tight. So even if you can't get a copywriter to write your copy, we always feel, again, if there are copywriters who are happy to do tweaks or even if there are proofreaders who are really good at reading like website copy, sales copy, getting somebody with a bit of know-how to look over it for you before you actually put it out there really is a good tip because it really lets you down if it's got mistakes in it, if it waffles, <laughs> you know, if it's going off point, then it is really good idea to make it that it's, you know, you know it, you know it's good. You know that it's like that conversation you're having via website is gonna work. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so you've always got the the two options of doing it yourself or working with other specific professionals that can help you at various levels to bring the website to 
all singing, all dancing. (laughs) So we've talked around like the basic flow and format. You said that you had another common mistake that you had picked out from the list. So do you want to share that with the listeners now? So the other common mistake. So this comes right at the other end. You've done it all. You've created your website. And then people don't seem to remember to test it on mobile which is such a big problem these days. So people often will be creating their website on a computer or they've had someone else create it for them on a computer. And whenever they've reviewed it, they've looked at it on a computer and then they forget to check out what it looks like on a mobile. And over 50% of web browsing is done on mobile phones these days. And then there's even more on top of that that's done on tablets and other mobile devices. So the amount of browsing that's actually done on a computer is a much smaller percentage. So your website needs to be awesome on a mobile phone. And still too often I go to websites where images and headings are sort of vanishing off to the right of the screen because they don't fit or pop-ups come up and you can't get out of the pop-up because the little cross to click on the pop-up is off the screen and then you're stuck you literally cannot look around their website now if they're clever they should have a cookie to show you've already been served that pop-up within the last day or whatever so when you go back in in theory it shouldn't come back up but if they're not clever enough to get their pop-up to fit on the phone right they're obviously not clever enough normally to put that cookie in as well so then the pop-up will reappear again Um, and so you then just can't look at their website And the worst mistake I see on mobile, and this is like gut-wrenching, is you get to the point where you're like, do you know what? I like these people. I'm going to fill in their contact form. And then their contact form doesn't work on mobile. Either the boxes have vanished off to the right or the boxes haven't got the right clickable area and you can't click into them. And that is a warm lead that people are missing. Like someone's got to the point where they want to fill in the contact form and they can't because it doesn't work properly on a mobile device. So my recommendation to everyone is you test every page you test every link on a computer a tablet and a mobile you go through every process you fill in your own contact form and send it to yourself on all of those and you make sure that the right email response comes back afterwards you make every like you buy things on all of them and you refund yourself like the testing process is so so important so that you know that website visitor is getting the best experience possible and yeah do it on all devices brilliant I yeah I I agree I think that responsive design whether well just like you said I mean over 50% is now viewed is it tablets and mobile no over 50% now is on just a mobile phone right and then there's more on a tablet so yeah the percentage actually viewing on a computer screen is yeah is like relatively low compared to yeah mobile devices as a whole yeah interesting and generally when people are creating their websites I'm assuming that there will usually be an option that they can see like I've only used a few platforms but the ones that I've built websites on have always had like view this in mobile so you can design your site in mobile and they do and that that is really good so you can do the view in mobile and not all of them, but most of them give you the chance to view in tablet as well. There's a couple of them that still don't offer that medium-sized view. But I would still always go and actually look at it on a mobile. Oh, yeah, of course. I was talking about when you're creating. Yeah, when you're creating it. So many people seem not to realise that, like that there is. And it's pretty obvious, like we um, we do a regular challenge around creating websites. And at the end of those, we compare lots of the different um platforms that are out there and all of them all of the big players that we check out and sort of see what they're doing at the moment they all offer it you know it is it is easy to go and check out that you're at least on the right lines while creating it um in yeah all all devices perfect so make sure listeners that when you do create your website or have a website created you're testing it I would say testing it regularly as well every time that you make any form of update it's always worth testing the entire site because you'd be surprised at how changing one small thing may have an impact elsewhere on your site particularly if it's not kind of your area of expertise it's always worth checking everything 
Absolutely, yeah. Any changes like that, it's probably fine just to check out that page. But yeah, if you've decided to add in a new contact form or yeah, you've put in a new button somewhere, yeah, you just need to check. Perfect. So one of the common mistakes that I come across with my clients, because whenever I whenever I work with my clients, I tend to do like a brand review and like a review of their online presence. And there are two points that I would love to discuss from a brand perspective when it comes to websites. One is inconsistencies across the board. So your brand that you're showing on your social media profiles, it looks so different to your website that it can be really confusing for your customer. If they've gone from your Instagram profile and landed on your website, and then they almost double guess whether they're in the right place, is that something that you find is well, I'd love to just hear your thoughts around that, really. Yeah, we have quite a lot of people who, when they come to do their website, they sort of decide, right, well, now is the time. I'm just going to make some tweaks and changes to my brand. And then, yeah, they seem to forget to do it elsewhere. It's almost like this, oh, yeah, my website's all new and flashy and amazing and I'm putting myself out there really professionally. And then, yeah, it doesn't change everywhere else. So it absolutely has to be consistent. We, um, in our more traditional web agency, not ready steady websites, we do branding as well. And so we're always saying to people that everything has to be consistent, whether you've got your logo on the side of your van, you've got a uniform, you're putting leaflets out there, you've got your social media, you've got your website. Every touch point has to look the same because it will stick in people's minds. You know, if they see your van driving around for whatever you do, and then they notice your leaflet in a village hall, or then they come across you on social media, or they hear somebody saying your name, saying, oh, do you know what? These guys are great. And you think, oh, do you know what? I've seen that name around. Then they're going to go and try and find your website because that's what people do when they start to really get interested. So yeah, if they then hit your website and it doesn't look like all those other touch points they've had with you, then like you say, it absolutely will make them think, oh, perhaps that's a business with a similar name and I've got the wrong place. And yeah, so yeah, it is so, so important to have consistency with your branding throughout. Yeah, I think it also reflects back to what you were saying earlier about tone of voice as well, which is why I always feel like if you can invest in a copywriter and a brand photographer, those are really good investments because you then have images and a way of speaking that is polished and consistent across everywhere. So not only do you look the same and feel the same, you sound the same and you're eliciting the same emotions across every platform that you're in. Yeah, yeah. brand photography, we really, really advocate it. It's so important because like you said, you're, you're putting your photos on your social media. So you have a brand photography shoot and you're going to be using those on your Instagram. They're going to be your Facebook group header you know all of those things and then to see those photos you come to the website and the, the image from the Facebook group header is also the header on the website immediately boom I'm in the right place and also like anywhere you want to have good quality photography but it's particularly important on your website like you want to have nice high resolution images that are going to look good really show you off show your products off um, and so yeah brand photography is key and product photography too you know if you have got more of a product based business having really good product photos is going to make it on your website it's going to make it much much easier to sell those products like far too often we've had people come to us with help with their website planning and they've shown us their product photos and they're dark and they've got a really patterned background so you can't really see the product very well and you know it's just so so key to have someone who's really going to get it right knows what they're doing and create some beautiful images that is just yeah it's fantastic because it's like we were talking about earlier as well it's like if you invest the time or the money or whatever it is that you want to do it if you're investing this energy as well into getting your website up and running, you don't want to be turning away leads just because you haven't got the photos quite right. They're too dark. There are easy ways that you can fix this even on a DIY basis. So you can set up a photo space, take your photos with the same lighting, make sure that it's bright, run it through something like Lightroom, which is a fantastic app that you can use to get consistent um, editing onto your photos really easily if you're not in that position to invest in brand photography. I mean, it's just essential, isn't it? Your, your brand needs to be consistent everywhere to, like you said, show you in your best light, but also reaffirm your customers that you are 
the right person for them. It is key. And we often say as well that images will make or break a website. Like you can have the most well thought out, laid out, well designed website. But then if you fill that with really dull, uninspiring photos or you have branding on there that isn't working and isn't right and isn't consistent, then, yeah, like you said, you've invested all that time and effort into doing it for no reason, essentially. So, yeah, you do need to be prepared to get it all right. And I was talking to someone the other day who is going to be coming and creating her website with us, but I love the fact that she said to me that it's like, I love it, I want to use this template and, you know, I'm in, but I'm having my brand photography done first. And I was like, yes, I love you. (laughs) I was just like someone who's actually thinking the whole process through. (laughs) So she's going to get her photos ready to put in her website, but she's done it right as well because she's sussed out the template she wants so she knows the types of photos she's going to need so she knows that like the template has a big hero image with writing to one side so she's going to need a photo that's going to have that space to that side for the writing and then she'll be having her image on the other side and she's just thinking it through so well and I just wish that everyone took the same approach (laughs) I know it's it's one of those things that I think as you progress in your business you realize just how important that level of photography is and it's not even like from a branding point of view it's not even just as easy as saying oh okay so now I've got high quality images but it's the personality that comes through and it's building that connection like it's a whole nother layer to it because if you have like you were saying just kind of generic branding generic photos not only even if they're high quality and they're perfectly well lit and they're fine like you're not going to capture the soul of the clients that you want to work with in the same way because they're not showing the person that you are. And this is something, I mean, I've had, I've done many episodes and spoken about this many times. I think it's carved into the side of my soapbox that, you know, you need to show who you are through your branding because the worst thing that you can do is your clients sign up with you and then they'd be like, oh, you're not what I was expecting. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no one wants not a good start <laughs> but um yeah so I did an episode I'm just trying to find what the episode number was now I did an episode episode 35 with Olivia um from Brand U Photography where we talked around storytelling with brand photography so listeners if you're tuning into this one and you're like oh I'd love to know more about brand photography go and check out episode 35 because Olivia gives a really good breakdown of the different types of photos that you need to craft a compelling brand story. Olivia is fab I'll just re-echo that yeah fantastic. It really is essential for when you're planning like your online presence not just your website but your your presence as a whole Um, So I have a few other, let's do some more like quick fire common mistakes that I just love to hear your insights. And if you have any advice to kind of work around them, because these are things that came up when I was doing a bit of research for this episode that I think will be questions that the listeners might have. So um, lack of SEO. SEO is a buzzword at the moment that's going around as always. I know that SEO has a certain level of importance to it, but is it something that the listeners need to be like really stressing about or is it something that they should learn a little bit about? Kind of where does it, where is it on that scale of panic? <laughs> Obviously it's important to be getting your website out there. And so if it's appearing in Google search rankings, then fantastic. But there are some really, really simple, things that you can do that will help with SEO before you need to worry about whether you need to get an SEO expert involved. So if you have got a website that is well coded um, and coded to web standards, then that straight away is going to help you. Um, So some of the template services are better at this than others. And ones that have previously had a bad reputation for SEO are getting better. So it is just worth, you know, having a look, seeing what people are saying around um, SEO before you choose your template provider if that's the way you want to go um, but so yeah coded web standards is is a really key thing so if you've got the right template then that's great how will so that's not a term that I'm familiar with so I'm going to just ask you know what what does that mean and how how do we tell so there are web standards out there um, and I'm trying to think there's called WW3C standards something like that um, and so they're things like your website is accessible 
and that kind of thing. And because if your website is accessible and can be read by text readers for people who come to your website who are blind or partially sighted, then if they're good to be read by text readers, they're good to be read by bots that Google and the other search engines, I'm sure are still out there, but not many of us are using, will be sending out to index the websites. So, you know, if you're working with a really decent web developer, then, you know, they are going to be coding a website and should be coding it well. You know, things like WordPress that power like over 40% of the web these days, you know, over 40% of the websites out there are sitting on WordPress, WordPress is all coded really, really well. So you know you're in safe hands there. In the past, Wix has had a bad rep for SEO. Um, so that tends to suggest that either perhaps that some of their coding is not quite accessible or that their page loading speed is poor because that is another thing. If your pages are loading nice and quickly, you are going to have better SEO. Um, and that's something you can test quite easily by going to a website called GT Metrics. Um, and you go to the GT Metrics, you put your web address in, it will give you a score. And if you're ranking C or above, it's done A, B, C, D, following on. If you're ranking C or above, you're, you're all right. If you're lower than that, then you're going to need to look at what's slowing your websites down. Um, and it will give you some hints and tips around what it probably is. And more often than not, it's going to be that your images are too big and you need to compress them a bit that you have got video actually on your website, which is a bit of a no-no. You should have your videos somewhere on like Vimeo or privately on YouTube. Um, and then you embed that code onto your website. So that your website itself isn't actually hosting the video because that will slow it down. Things like having video that automatically plays as well is a bit of a no-go too. So these are all things that you can do, like page speeds is a really big thing. Back in the day, people would tell you to have this massively keyword rich content. Yeah. Um, but what really happened there was your content then ended up just being really disjointed. It was all like people were concentrating too much on getting all the keywords in there. And then as a normal person reading it, it didn't really flow particularly well. And so Google actually now is picking up whether websites are written for normal people. They're actually wanting to see properly flowing text and content, which just comes back to what you said about, you know, getting a copywriter who really knows the web is an expert in writing copy for the web. They'll get your copy right. Um, because it's great to have keywords in your headings. It's great to have keywords as your page titles, um, but actually cramming them all into your general content is much more important to write that content to appeal to that ideal client um, and to actually like be in your tone of voice and encouraging people to work with you. So yeah, don't worry about cramming in too many keywords these days because Google wants to see things naturally. Um, also, if you've got pop-ups, definitely use pop-ups. Just don't let them pop up too quickly. Google doesn't like that. So you need to have someone on the page for at least 30 seconds. So they've done a bit of scrolling and looking around before a pop-up comes up. It's actually a good idea to set pop-ups based on page scroll rather than time on the website as well. So, you know, they've scrolled sort of at least halfway down your homepage. They're having a look that's showing they're actually a bit interested then you could have a pop-up saying, did you know we've got this event coming up or would you like to sign up to our newsletter if you want to. Some people hate them. Some people find they convert really well. That's something you can try out with your ideal clients on your website. So they're all key things. Um, so they're all things that either you can do yourself or should be happening naturally if you have used a good template or a good web developer. There are SEO experts out there. Now, we do not profess to be SEO experts, um, but they can look at, you know, looking at keywords. Also, having link backs to your site is really great, and which you can do a bit yourself if you write some guest blog posts for somebody. And in that, you're going to have at the bottom, this post was written by Jude from Ready Study Websites, and Ready Study Websites will be linked to back to your site. Or, Tammy, when you put this podcast out there, you will link to Ready Study Websites. That's a link back to my website. Um, so they're things you can do yourselves, but SEO experts will look at which websites um, have got high domain authority and can work on getting you link backs from those websites because that will help 
with your SEO as well. So, you know, all the big players in the press have got high domain authority because they have an awful lot of traffic going to the website. And so getting a link back from The Guardian or from Forbes or, you know, the like really will help your SEO as well. Um, but just, you know, being natural with your website, doing it well, making sure that it's loading quickly. They are key things that you can do um, and that will really, really help your SEO. And Chris and I don't use any special SEO wizardry on our site. But for some of the stuff we offer, we are on the first page of Google. And it's also worth noting as well that it will take a while for Google to index your site when you first put it out there. You can't put your site out there one week and then next week go, well, I'm not on the first page of Google for female entrepreneur coaches or whatever, because it takes a while. It can take months for Google to properly index a site. So you do need to be patient with it, which is why it's worth getting your website out there early on in your business, because it gives it time to get indexed. So when you are talking about indexing your site, for anyone who's listening who may be in the early stages that are like, what is that? <laughs> Could you just clarify, like, basic terms? You won't appear on Google till your site has been indexed by them. So they have come and found it, looked at it, and like worked out kind of what the keywords are and all this kind of stuff. They will then, you know, when you put something in an index in a book, you're putting it in order, you're sort of putting it in its position. So yeah, Google has to see it, find out a bit about it, work out what it is, and then it will go, right, okay, now I know that when these search terms are typed in, that's one of the sites I send up onto the results. So indexing, Google indexing your site is, it's making sure and qualifying it in order for it to show up in Google search results. And knowing what to show it for, yes. Perfect. So I've just kind of made a little bit of a summary because there was so much wonderful information in there. I just want to make sure that I've got these so that we've got it in one spot. So image size is important and affects the page load speed. Yeah. Your page load speed is important when it comes to SEO, which is search engine optimization. I should have clarified that earlier. And there is the website that you mentioned that I will put in the show link. So if anyone sat there and missed that, um, I will pop in. Was it GT Metrics? Yeah. yeah, I'll chat that in the show links as well, listeners. So if you want to go and see how well your website is performing, you can go and click there. Pop-up timings are key. Personally, I'm not a fan of pop-ups, but I do understand their, their place. I'm not either. And the only one we use on our own site sits over to the side so that you can still see most of the site is not intrusive. But for some people, they say they really work. Yeah, I can I can see why they work. And absolutely, I also feel like they don't bother me as much as a consumer when it's on a product-based website. And I don't know why. <laughs> no, I do understand that. Yeah, I do. I think I feel the same, actually. Yeah. The other things that I've made a note of is backlinks. So if you're featuring as a guest blogger, you're publishing on Medium, anything like that. And like you said, any PR activity, having those backlinks really helps with your SEO. So that's fantastic. Again, another benefit to having a marketing plan that is not just focused on social media. Yeah, throw that in. And also <laughs> that your keywords should be within flowing text rather than being kind of the center stage of the reason for the text. The text should be more communicative and then the keywords are going in naturally. Is that about right? Yeah, and having the keywords in the headings is key. So Google will look at the headings more than the body text. Uh, headings, awesome. I will summarize all of this. Cool, right. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Um, I've got quite a short one that I just want to mention, which is lack of call to actions. We touched on call to actions earlier on, also known as CTAs, if you want to be trendy. And for me, any form of marketing, any anything at all, you need to have constant call to actions because people need to be told what to do next. From a website point of view, are there specific words that are good to use? Are there specific ways of creating these call to actions that you would recommend yeah so it's been said recently it's been a recent survey and I can't remember who did it so I can't actually reference it but um actually the words that basically tell people what to do work so if you say click here 
like literally telling them to click that does convert better on websites also if you've got a call to action for the same thing have it in the same color throughout your website so say your website is all about getting someone to join a membership so having your join now button consistently in the same color on every page wherever it appears it will stay in that person's mind and it will be more of a sort of subconscious thing then that I've seen join now a lot and I'll just click on it once they get to the point they want to. Um, So that's really key. Um, And also, you know, when you're hitting that your homepage, you want to have your key call to actions above the fold. So that's above the, like the bottom of the screen. So before they have to scroll, you want to have your key call to actions there um, so that when they come, perhaps they've come back to your website from thinking about it for a little while, they don't have to scroll through again to find that button to take action They can do it straight there. They've already had a read before. They know this time they actually want to buy, join, whatever, and they can click and do that. So, yeah. Making it easy, isn't it? Making it as easy as possible for them to get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. And I would say as well that, it's really good idea to always have a call to action top right of your um, header menu, your main navigation. So whether that's that you want your contact button as a like standout call to action top right, whether it is still it's your join now button, um, but having that there on every page. So when they get to that point of actually, yeah, do you know what? I am going to get in contact with them. Again, they don't have to go and find it. They know it's there all the time, top right, and it's easy for them to do. Perfect. Brilliant. Call to actions covered. Got that smash nailed it (laughs) so the next one that I want to talk about is something that again I'm vaguely familiar with but isn't my my area of expertise so I'd love to hear kind of your input I understand that this is going to be a bigger conversation and it's something that I might need to do a separate episode on but kind of the key policies that you should have on your website because there is a certain amount of responsibility that you need to take as a business owner in order of having these. So could you just talk a little bit around the policies that you would expect or the ones that you maybe include as standard on your websites? Yeah, so you have to have a privacy policy. So on that privacy policy, you need to tell them how your website visitor, how their data is being used. Um, So whether that's that you have cookies on your website, you're tracking people. So again, so they're not served up pop-ups too much or whatever. So you need to say if you're using cookies and what the purpose of those cookies are so people understand that. You also need to say if you're using anything else like a Facebook, Facebook pixel on your website to track people coming from Facebook and seeing if they're actually converting and taking action. You know, anything that you are using that is tracking some form of data on your website, you have to make it obvious in your privacy policy what it is and what it is being used for. So, for example, like quite a lot of people will use on their website um, some kind of tracking software that records actually the website journey it sees sees the how the mouse is moving around essentially sees how long it takes someone to click to the next page that's really really useful data for a website owner to see if they've got things laid out well and everything but again you need to tell people if you're doing that because as much as you can't tell who that person is doing that you don't know their name and everything you can probably track perhaps where they are in the world and so you are taking a little bit of data and so you just need to make that really really clear then if you are taking if you're getting any kind of further information from them perhaps you are getting them to sign up to an email list perhaps you are taking payments perhaps you're getting people to join a program whatever you need a separate terms and conditions policy on your website Um, and that will tell everybody what you are doing with their information if they're signing up to your newsletter saying you know I'm literally just going to use your data for the newsletter you also need to tell them again where their data and everything is being stored Um, so if you are using ConvertKit you need to say we're using ConvertKit and link it's a good idea to then link off to ConvertKit's privacy policy and everything we are using I don't know we're using Stripe to take payments link off to that so you need to make it clear 
everything that you are using, where their data is going to be stored and have that in your T's and C's um, so that they are aware of that um, and that they have to, when they're signing up to anything, actually opt in and say, yes, I've read the T's and C's. I am happy with all of this. I click this box to say, yes, I will sign up to a mailing list. I will make this purchase. Um, So yeah, that they have actually said that they I absolutely read those terms and conditions 100% I yeah sure we all read them thoroughly don't we (laughs) (laughs) but whether you read them or not if you're saying you've read them you know absolutely they have to be there you have to write them you have to have them there Um, and obviously like for us in the UK we have now come out of the EU so GDPR is slightly different for us now but it essentially still exists Um, so um, it's still very important to check out with an expert in that area of things that your privacy policy teams and fees and everything comply um that's really key when it comes to writing these policies because i don't know about you listeners like i have like i could write this but i can't guarantee that it would be to the level of detail and because it feels like it's a very you know it is a legal responsibility as a business owner I'm assuming that there will be templates I can't remember where I got my privacy policy but I know that I didn't write mine I customized mine from an existing policy that um I think I purchased or I had written for me. So are there places that you recommend that are independent if people have built their websites themselves or Are these policies generally included as standard if you're purchasing a template? So some templates may well include them. Like when, if you use Ready Steady websites, um, we do have a privacy policy generator um, that we worked with a GDPR expert to create because we wanted our backs covered. (laughs) We wanted to make sure. So yeah, some places will do them. Um, If you Google privacy policy generators, lots will come up. Um, And there are some that are better than others. And also we do kind of put in a bit of a caveat and say, you know, there may be things specific to your industry that you need to be aware of. So it might be worth going and seeing, you know, if there's someone that does specialise in, I don't know, privacy policies for your sector. I can't think of any sectors at the moment, so they're not coming. But, you know, it's always worth just going and checking out if there are anything specific that you need to include in there. Okay, cool. So generally, the advice would be, look for a generic privacy policy, but it I mean, I feel iffy just Googling privacy policy and pulling one off of there. So are there like are there established UK companies that offer this kind of thing? One thing that I mean, I recommend the ICO website. So the Information Commissioner's Office, um, you know, they're the people that do all of this stuff for the UK. They have got some quite good advice on there it's like you know they will like give you hints and tips and guidance um as much as the ico you know everyone's very scared that they're going to dish out all these massive fines and this that and the other actually i genuinely believe that they are more focused on educating and making sure that people are getting it right than they are about punishing so i think worth going to the ico website also it's worth checking on there whether if you are collecting data that you need to be registered with them Um, and if you need to be registered with them then you need to put that registration number onto your website so that's I mean the ICO if you're in the UK is a really good place to go and you know just check out that you are ticking all the right boxes perfect what I'll do is I'll chuck the I will carefully place the ICO website link in the show notes as well so yeah listeners you can go and have a look there and hopefully that will give you any other questions that you have around policies I knew it was going to be quite a beefy one because when it comes to policies I believe that there are other ones that you should have as standard how you function your business, how you run your business, diversity, inclusion, all of that kind of thing. But I feel like that's definitely a bigger conversation <laughs> than we can have now. Well, on your website, it's definitely privacy policy, T's and C's. And there, there we go. Yeah. Perfect. Privacy policy and T's and C's. Um, the other two things that I think, yeah, the other two things that I'd love to cover, one, SSL certificates. So listeners, if you're not familiar, I believe that the SSL certificate is to show that your website is secure and can be trusted. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. So when you go to websites these days, in the um, box where the web address is, you'll either see a nice little padlock next to the web address, which shows that the website's secure, and that's what you want to see, or you will see the words not secure. Um, and you definitely don't want to see that, especially if it's a website that's trying to take payments and things like that. Don't enter your card details. Um, so yes, so an SSL certificate is the thing that is needed to make that website secure. Now, a lot of host, web hosts will provide SSL certificates for free yeah. um, or for a nominal fee. You know, it's not expensive, but it's needed. And your website being secure is another key thing around the whole GDPR data protection. So you do need to do it. Yeah. Awesome. So just double check on your website. If you're unsure whether you have an SSL, look on your website. Um, I always recommend opening up, if you're viewing your own website, I always recommend opening it up in an incognito tab. So on Google, so I use Chrome as my browser, but you can open like um, a tab that doesn't, it doesn't track anything that you've done before, is it? It's like a clean, a clean slate when you're searching um, that isn't impacted by your search history. So it won't automatically jump to web pages that you've been to before. It won't show links that you've clicked before or anything like that. If you log into an in or create... If you open an incognito tab, check out your website, see if you've got that certificate at the top left, the little padlock. Um, and if you don't, talk to your web host as a first protocol uh, and just get that sorted. Because like Jude said, it's it's super quick, super easy, but so impactful when it comes to people feeling safe in using your website. I've had sites where you literally can't get on them because it comes up with a warning. Whereas like, this site is, inse is insecure. <laughs> this site is not secure. <laughs> Maybe insecure. It well. might be insecure. It depends on how badly you've made it. <laughs> My first website, I think, must have been quite insecure. <laughs> it's also another one that affects SEO these days as well. We'll look at it. So, um, yeah, it's a key one. Brilliant. And something that's so easy to, to find out about, I think, like that's quite a nice, easy one that you can double check on. And the other one that I just wanted to touch on briefly which I feel is a mistake that I see often and also have done myself very frequently, is not having analytics and tracking how your website is being used. Yeah, analytics, our Google Analytics are brilliant. Everyone should be using Google Analytics on their website. And there's so many reasons for it. So we will look at our analytics every month. At the end of every month, we will be having a look at how many unique page views we've had on our website, we will be looking at where those visitors have come from. So if they're coming from search results, we look at what they're searching for. We will look at which social media platforms are working better for us. And then that helps us know which ones to focus on. Um, also, you know, we have referrers who refer to us. We have our link in the bottom of people's um, website footers of websites that have been created using us. So it's really interesting to see like, which people are sending more traffic to us and then we can look at doing collaborations with them. And it's just such a useful business tool um, and one that is definitely worth everybody using. Um, so yeah, highly recommend it. I mean, there's some bits of it that, you know, perhaps you don't need to focus on as much. You know, if it really doesn't matter for you kind of where in the world your website visitors are coming from because you're doing everything out there on social media and you're attracting everyone from everywhere but for other people it might be really useful to see well do you know what I'm a UK-based business but like nearly everyone's coming from Australia so perhaps I need to be sort of looking at that and so you know there's so much to look at on there and you just need to think like what's useful for me and my business what am I going to focus on and then yeah, we compare the figures every month and it helps us with our marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I've only recently started with like a bad and like I've really started doing it and like leaning into it and taking my analytics and measuring them each month and seeing the change in the growth. And it has influenced the way that I've marketed my business so much more than I ever expected it would. And again, it's one of those things that I always do with my clients, but I've never done with myself. <laughs> always the way isn't it <laughs> but, I mean if you I think the reason was that I could never really see how I was because I already had my marketing plan I couldn't see how the analytics were going to influence that other than showing me kind of what was happening on the website but exactly what you were pointing out there Jude looking at where people are coming from both geographically because hey blog content marketing content trending topics that are happening in those regions that could be wonderful ways of you getting 
more within the high profile content subjects if that's something that you want to do seeing which social media platforms are performing best may help you to either focus your efforts or ditch platforms that aren't working for you so you free up your time and your marketing efforts um, and also, like you said, the unique page views and the referrals are really key to see kind of what's working really well for you. And then having a look at those pages and working out what's different about them or what it is that's hitting home can really influence the way that you then build the rest of your site. Yeah, definitely. I, I am a huge advocate of analytics now. And yeah, I highly encourage you just even if you're not sure what all of them do, just have a look at those key things like your unique page views, where your referrals or where your platform, where your traffic is coming from. Even those two things can tell you so much. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Facebook pixels earlier as well as part of the analytics and tracking. Is that something that's easy for pe- for our listeners to install themselves? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's guides out there for how to do it. Um, <laughs> I'm falling out of love a little bit with Facebook at times. Well, Facebook ads used to work so fantastically well for us, and so we'd have the pixel on our site, and you know, and it would drive so much traffic, and people would actually convert. And Facebook ads is harder at the moment to actually get any meaningful traffic from and get conversions from. They themselves have changed things. Apple have changed some things around allowing Facebook to have access to sites on if you've got using an Apple operating system. Um, So, yeah, and it's worth having on there. It's definitely worth having on there, um, having a Facebook pixel. But whether you use it for ads or not at the moment is something that, you know, go and speak to a Facebook ads expert, but it's not something that we are finding particularly great anymore. I'm curious to know, I've never asked this question or Googled it, so I don't know if no such thing as a stupid question. Facebook pixel you put on your website, but does that also cover Instagram? Yeah, so if if you're using like Facebook ads, you can use the Facebook ads manager to also create the instagram ads as well is the pixel only for ads then no 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 i mean it will just show you like if you've got a facebook account like business account thing you can use it for any traffic um i don't pay a huge amount of attention to it i'll be honest um and if you've got the facebook business manager now um i've noticed that when people are commenting on my instagram posts it tells me in the facebook business manager so it has all very become linked together only if you've chosen to link your accounts though so yeah i mean if you've got two accounts that you're not <laughs> have been linked up then no it's not but yeah if you've linked your accounts then yes it will um it will work but to be honest like the social media side of things um and all that side of things is not my area of expertise <laughs> Yeah, sticking with the just the websites <laughs> absolutely fine and the last question that I have for you would be there is always talk around content and things I'm a huge advocate of having a blog and blogging because I love to waffle so are you an advocate for having a blog on a website do you feel that it is I don't want to say essential because I feel like but do you think that it is beneficial to have a blog on the website provided you can be consistent with it and that's the key thing if you can be consistent with it absolutely because it's a very easy non-salesy way to send traffic to your website so you can you know if you've got a weekly email that you send out or it's great social media content to be putting out something that's really useful for people or is just really showing off your expertise in a non-showy-offy way, just making people realise that you're there, sharing your journey with the people who are interested in that. It's a fantastic way of drawing more traffic to your website, which you need to be doing again for SEO. You need to be sending traffic to your website. It's also, you know, if you're writing blogs well and you are getting those keywords in the headings and you're using, like, at the moment, you know, the five top tips or having a number in your blog heading at the moment is really good for SEO, um, it will draw some like natural traffic in as well but you know I really 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 do advocate having a blog we have a weekly blog Um, and if you yourself don't feel that you can commit to writing a post every week 
either do it less frequently once every two weeks once a month I'd say once a month is the minimum if you can't commit to once a month then it's possibly not worth it but you know there are periods of the year where we get really busy I know when they are so I will put out a plea to people I know through networking and things and say anyone want to write me a guest post which Tammy may have done in the past go and check out the Reddit study website <laughs> yeah and I've got I've got content then and when I did that I was absolutely astounded at the response I got and so therefore I am supporting other people to get link backs but I'm getting content that's relevant to my audience I'm helping them in areas that surround the website not just the website stuff um, and so yeah I thought I really really rate it when we send out our weekly emails I look at the clicks that have had through on those emails and more often than not it is the blog post that has got the most click through from the email than than anything else so they are really worth doing yeah I agree with that as well I see with my weekly email that goes out that generally if I share a blog post in there or the podcast those are the two that tend to get the most clicks come through and you can listeners if you have a podcast and it's something that I'm doing shortly hopefully or by now depending on when this episode comes out um having a blog related to the podcast episode so if you are a podcaster writing a short blog post that summarizes the key points that you were talking about in that episode having your episode widget put in there as well and then having that on your website if you can commit to doing a podcast once a week once a month whatever you've you've automatically got a blog post on there so you're going to be helping with the with the SEO exactly as you're saying Jude. absolutely definitely and also that's really good because people like um taking on board content in different ways so one person who likes listening won't necessarily read but somebody else who doesn't really like absorbing content listening will want to read a blog post so then you're also appealing to a wider audience as well so yeah it's a really good idea perfect so we've covered a huge amount <laughs> a huge amount today um I would love to know from you to the listeners from your area of expertise when it comes to one simple thing that they can do today to improve their website what would it be that you would recommend so my if you've got a website already just go and cast a critical eye over it just go to it like you said earlier like you haven't looked at it before and just think about all the things we've discussed today and think right is it working well on mobile is my homepage copy really appealing to my ideal client or have I literally just written my autobiography on there are my images stunning and stand out and showing off what I do just go and cast a critical eye over your website and consider what we've discussed and make a note of everything you think yeah no that's letting me down that's not as good as it could be and then take action and change them. Perfect. There we go. Some practical actions today when you've had a cup of tea to recover from the sheer amount of words that we've put towards you today. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Jude. Where can the listeners find more about you online? So we're basically ready, steady websites everywhere. So we are readysteadywebsites.com for our website. We are on Facebook as Ready Steady Websites. We're on Instagram as Ready Steady Websites. And they are the two platforms that we concentrate on. So yeah, you can find us there. Fantastic. So I'll pop all of the links in the show notes along with the websites that Jude has referenced throughout this episode as well. And be sure to come back here on Thursday when Jude will be sharing her business journey so far in the next Brand Story episode. Um, and until then, then I would love to know which of these points have been the most helpful to you. So come on over and join us in our community on Instagram or Facebook. And those links will also be in the show notes. I will see you in the brand lounge.